Welcome everybody to another episode of the Off Balance 3. It's episode 2 of season 2 and we got some notes from the network, guys. This time around they said they haven't heard a trio this dynamic since Hanson in the 1990s. <laughs> so I think we're going to be able to do a couple more episodes at least. That's one two more albums than Hanson got after Mbop, so are you sure, though? Because No, actually, no, those guys are still around and performing. I'm sad to say I actually heard them on a live show somewhere do uh, an acoustic version of Mbop, and I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, that's, that's pretty darn catchy. <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, it's inescapable, but hopefully we can pump out more than a one-hit wonder here. This is our follow-up single. Hopefully it'll go global. And... Jeff, you're going to have to grow your hair out a little bit, buddy. Get that long hair going again. <laughs> One of us has to have long hair. It ain't going to be me. Do you guys have any musical talent at all? I don't have any talent at all, much less musical. You don't have to add any adjectives onto it. Oh, stop. No modifier. Stop it, Brian. I posted a <laughs> link to the podcast on my Facebook and one of my best friends that I've known since I was five years old commented and he says, hey, I like the comedian guy. With hey, good for me. With no compliments towards me one of his best friends so <laughs> he can be part of a i like to call i have a fan base i like to call them my nine fans because it's a pretty <laughs> accurate number of the people but i will say i love my nine fans when they come out i'm so excited to see them and they have no idea how special they are to me because they number so easily <laughs> i can remember everything about all of them that's the good thing about not being too popular you can give them that personal touch like we go get cuban for lunch sometimes because I have nine. Like, hey, let's go get Cuban. <laughs> wow. We only need one. We got to push two tables together and we get my whole fan base around some uh, black beans and rice. That, that's fantastic. Jeff, do you do anything like that for your readers? No, I don't. You know, I, I'm a uh, man. Uh, I'm feeling kind of bad about it. No, I don't. Um, well. Cuban sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it brings people together, ironically, somewhat. <laughs> now, are we sure... Jeff, I could swear that you were going to jump in there and tell us that you're a world-class drummer. No, I'm a guitarist, actually. I play, I play guitar and uh, pretty much any stringed instruments, ukulele, mandolin, whatever. What's your weapon of choice? What's your favorite? Um, probably, probably guitar. I've been playing guitar like about 30-some-odd years. So, yeah. If you were going to be the lead of a cover band, and it could be any kind of cover band, right? This is going to give us a sense of your musical predilection, right? But you, it's got to be an all-cover tribute band. What tribute band do you lead? Um, oh, man. Well, I mean, it would be Rush, okay? But, like, okay. I'm not good enough to do that. Um, so, like, realistically, it would probably be something like, I don't know, ACDC? Nice. REM. Good choice. Good choice. Or, or REM. I mean, I know those are kind of different areas, but, like, yeah, something where, yeah, yeah, something that's not too technically crazy, but, yeah, you can kind of make some noise. I don't have any kind of talent. Like I, I used to, I used to fancy uh, myself a DJ for quite some time, and <laughs> how'd that work out for you? I played around with some turntables, and uh, you know I can juggle a record a little bit. I can juggle a couple <laughs> records, go back and forth, and have some fun with that. Uh, I tickle the ebony's. A lot of people tickle the ivories, <laughs> but I tickle the ebony's. Used to take piano lessons, but gave it up because I thought I was going to be a great athlete. I should have kept playing the piano. You know, I keep saying I'm going to get back into it. My wife is actually at a guitar lesson right now as we speak, and I think she's going to motivate me enough to get back on that piano. 
You're a confident nice. man. I wouldn't send my wife to a guitar lesson for all the rice in China, my friend. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Apparently, you've never seen the first 10 minutes of any John Cusack romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I make sure that that was Ani DeFranco's ugly sister before I pack my wife off to sit next to some smooth crooner who's going to show how his fingering works so well. Oh, I don't know if you're your mind, but I'm just saying you should be worried. Yeah, that's an awful, <laughs> awful choice of words there to, to describe what we're going to be doing. We actually have to end this podcast right now because I have to go to, <laughs> to go drive to the guitar center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're off to a great start, fellas. <laughs> Some guy looks just like Jeff's picture. Uh, on <laughs> Come, on, Come on, stop. Come on. Well, this is why. It's psychological. It's not really sports. It's more about just digging in that's to our deepest fears. That's perfectly fine with me. But actually, it's giving me more motivation to take piano <laughs> lessons because now I can see how, you know, if we go down this road that you're describing and my wife learns the art of fingering from her guitar teacher, <laughs> then uh, I'm going to have to win her back oh. by, sh- by showing her my skills with the fingers. On I the, love on it. The piano. I love it. Like a talent show, you know, like you dedicate the big song at the end of the talent show to her. Exactly. That sounds like a Cusack movie right there. You, just, you better learn to play the piano. You better. <laughs> that, well, yeah, a lot hinges on this. Instead of the boom box, I'm bringing a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so... We'll see how it goes. We'll keep uh, everyone in the loop. It's funny. I make fun of you, and my wife is currently sitting at a table full of millionaire dudes who make 50 times more than I do. So maybe I should be concerned, too. Maybe I better learn the guitar, the piano. Yeah, you should be way more worried than I (laughs) Way more worried. Yeah. She's Those sad. guys have expensive towns and access to hotels. What's the guitar teacher going to do? Take her to the closet? That's going to get old <laughs> real fast. <laughs> no exotic vacations like uh, your wife's associates, we'll call them. Yes, quote-unquote work trips, I yeah. think they call them. Right, right. <laughs> right. I'm just bringing you back up. I feel like I broke you oh. down. I'm going to bring you back up, you know. Like any good stand. co-host would, so... <laughs> <laughs> Here we are, Aaron Hodges, Brian Miller, Jeff Young. We're off to a great start here. Let's jump into all ball or flagrant foul. Yes. All right, the first topic on the docket here is uh, Jake Arrieta. He threw a no-hitter for the Cubs. The question that I'm going to ask you guys to weigh in on is has to do with uh, the fan interaction, not necessarily what happened during the game, but afterwards, a 22-year-old kid ran onto the field as the Cubs were celebrating the no-hitter. This kid named Dylan Cressy, he jumped onto the field and basically got in on the celebration, even got to pat Jake Arietta's head, he said. Eventually, he got arrested. Now, from the decision, he said he was perfectly fine with that. Like He knew in his head going in before he jumped onto the field that he was going to get arrested. This decision-making process, Jeff Young, is this all ball or flagrant foul? I, I'm going flagrant foul here. Um, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, he gets out there and he, he, he jumps onto the pile and he's celebrating and, like you said, he, he pats Ariette on the head. And if you're the Reds in the dugout and you've just been no hit and you're watching this, aren't you kind of thinking, how did he do that? We couldn't touch the guy all night. And this guy just <laughs> runs up and makes contact immediately. 
that has to be demoralizing on just so many levels. <laughs> but second, yeah, the whole thing about going to jail. Okay, so like as part of that story, right? His dad gets the call that his kid is in jail and he says he wasn't too happy about that as any dad wouldn't be. But then he comes back after he finds out why he's in jail. The dad's direct quote is, I was proud it took some guts. <laughs> I was proud it took some guts. And he posted on Facebook, that's my boy. You can't make this up, okay? And my feeling is, it's awesome the kid was arrested for trespassing. I mean, you know, what's not to love about that? Who, what father wouldn't be proud of their <laughs> kid? Okay, but the thing is, if you're going to be proud of the kid and say, that's my boy, it's not like he did something super amazing like, I don't know, like this, yeah, this is have an affair a... with Jay-Z and get written into a song or something, right? <laughs> he, just, he just went out there and patted a guy on the head. Jeff, fresh off his lemonade viewing party, weighing in on that. <laughs> it's a clear flagrant foul from your perspective. Oh, no okay. Brian Miller, all ball or flagrant foul? See, I'm going to have to descend here. I'm going to have to say it is uh, all ball, kind of on a technicality. Normally, I would not like this sort of like, you know, I don't like when you know, the fans going to run out there. I don't like people run onto the football field and streak around for attention. It's stupid. But I will say this was like every now and then I found like a, like a heckler in, in a comedy club. Almost always the worst. But sometimes somebody will yell out something and it really is great and hilarious. And yeah. when it happens, I love it. Every time it almost never, it's almost never happens. It's one out of, you know, every 20. It, this was like that one out of 20 time or it was just like that pure, like he did it for pure motivations. Like, I don't think this kid necessarily wanted the attention. I think he just like, I want to be in on this. I am a huge fan and this is great. And the, the sort of purity of his intentions, I think won me over. So I'm going to go all ball. I am on the side of Brian on this one. I'm going to say all ball because all I could envision was, of course, I don't love the idea of fans running onto the court or the field or whatever it may be. But from this young man describing his relationship with his father and how they bonded over Cubs games and it's just been a lifelong passion, all I could envision was the New York Giants winning the Super Bowl and me having... <laughs> Keep dreaming, buddy. <laughs> hey, 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 take it easy, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if they did, and I had the opportunity to run on the field and my whole family is watching and they're all going to love that moment, I think I'm jumping on the field and taking the arrest. Yeah, one night, misdemeanor. It's a small price to pay for a lifetime memory. A 16 to nothing, no hitter. I mean, this was like is the Cubs what, fans' bliss. That's game, what you the know? score was, sixteen to nothing. I believe it was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was so this epic. was like a thorough domination. You know, like it was like I was a part of maybe the greatest statistically dominant Cubs game in history. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I think the consensus has it. It's all ball. Way to go, Dylan. We're real proud of you here on the Off Balance Three. <laughs> We're not so into your dad's parenting skills, but all the rest of it is <laughs> Right. Yeah. On that one, Jeff, I'm going along with you. On the parenting skills, I say flagrant foul all the way. He should not be encouraging this well, behavior. I should also say in my own defense, I, I do tend to yell at kids when they're on my lawn. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we knew from your picture. You didn't have to tell it's us. just how I roll. Yeah. The next topic is Steve Kerr just recently uh, was named the NBA Coach of the Year despite only coaching for about half of the year. Now, granted, the Golden State Warriors had a record-setting regular season, but can you really give it to a guy who only coached half a year, all ball, or flagrant foul? 
Jeff? Uh, I'm going all ball on this one. They did win more games than anybody else uh, ever in history. And uh, even though he missed half the season, that's still, or a little more than half the season, that's that was still his team. And that doesn't that doesn't really take anything away from Luke Walton, who obviously uh, did a great job while he was gone. But, you know, it's really Kerr's team. So, I, you know, I, I would go all ball with that. I, I think also the other thing is, like when you're talking about who gets credit for what, I mean, th- there's a long history of giving one person credit for someone else's work. Like, I don't know, Columbus discovering America, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, you, know you had Leif Erikson before that. And if you really want to get technical about it, all they did anyway, they just discovered people that were already here and then they ruined their lives. So, you know, when when you go back and look at a basketball thing and, and Kerr, I, I, all ball, he deserved it. No problem. And Brian, all ball or flag or foul? Yeah, I'm going all ball. And here's, I think it's not, not, it's no question that he should have won it. Interesting point Jeff made about collective accomplishments. You know, every NFL coach of the year, you could argue, really goes to him and his coaching staff. But that's the whole point, right? He's the head coach. But I think it, it's especially, I mean, this is Kerr's system. This is Kerr's strategy. It's the whole, you know, it, but it's different. If this was football, we wouldn't even question it. We, if it was a fill-in for Belichick for half the season, we go like, well, he was just doing what Belichick had set up. But I think basketball is different because basketball coaches look like they might possibly be able to play in the game. <laughs> it's one of the only sports where you think the coach could probably come off the bench and the team would still be okay. Like he'd just like roll his khakis up and take off his suit jacket. You know, even like Phil Jackson, you're like, ah, he could pass the ball, you know? Whereas like we don't think of like Belichick couldn't like run and fill in for the left tackle or anything. So uh, I think when, when Kerr is out, you're like, well, he wasn't even there. He couldn't even play. Yeah, That's my theory. It, no, certainly. I mean, he's setting the foundation and the team is following his lead. I mean, Luke Walton probably wasn't straying too far from whatever philosophies they have. While Kerr yeah. was uh, doing his, uh, I, I believe, his back surgery. I can't remember. But I, but I think hey, if they were going to give it to somebody other than Kerr, I should have gone to Flip Saunders from Minnesota who died. Ah, oh. there it is. Oh. You know, I mean, yo, go give it to Flip. Everyone loved Flip, and he was turning the team around and doing a great job, and he died before he got a chance. So, you know, send him out strong. The Atlanta Braves are uh, complaining about their field, Turner Field. They're complaining about the condition of the infield. Even the Dodgers have agreed, and a lot of people are weighing in and saying that they're not keeping up this field because the Atlanta Braves are getting a new field. So now why care about the upkeep? of the current field when it's not a long-term investment. Jeff, you're the expert on baseball here. Is this an all ball or a flagrant foul? Well, this is kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I mean, I, I would guess, what, can you, okay, what are we saying is exactly going to be all ball? The fact that, the fact that this problem exists or the, or the, the degree to which it's being uh, discussed or whatever. Let's, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Let's go at it from the perspective of the Braves players complaining. Do they have a case? Okay. In that case, I'm going to say all ball because it's a safety concern. It's a safety issue. Um, the, the, the thing I'll say about this, the, the reason I have, I have pause about this is if you look at it from the other perspective is that focusing on the condition of the infield and Turner field right now, it's a legitimate problem. It's a legitimate safety concern. These guys have to go out there and work and they have to be able to play in safe conditions, but it, that attention being focused on this story does obscure a larger problem, which is the Braves right now, as they currently exist, are not a major league team. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, they're, they're four and 15, mostly anonymous roster filled with guys that aren't ready and guys that never will be ready. 
It's early, but they have the worst record in baseball. And as of this moment, they are already 10 and a half games out of first place. Wow. I mean, it's so early. It's too early to be that far out. Right. They've only played 19 games and they're already 10 and a half. Right. They got the Nationals in their division, which makes life very difficult. But, you know, when you have their on-field record assembled by the guys that are trying to play for the team right now, and then you have this story on top of it, the whole thing comes out feeling like Major League. Like, you start to wonder things like, do they use a bus for the road trips? Is their whirlpool (laughs) heated? You know? And... I say all ball for the players to be complaining about it, but I think also that organization has larger problems. Also, another problem might be the new food menu that's being offered at Turner Field. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard an earlier episode of this very podcast here, but I had my uh, very Italian immigrant in-laws on the show. And <laughs> you, if you guys know anything about Italians and their relationship with food, they were disgusted by the menu that's offered at Turner Field. So uh, I think that was that was either episode two or three, if anyone's interested in going back and hearing the almost comical accents of my mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> like if you did that voice, it would be ethnically insensitive, basically. Exactly. It's like, uh, but it, it's funny that I spent a good portion of my, my teenage years just mocking Guido Italians, which is a, a very... <laughs> prevalent population here in New Jersey. Sure. Come, come to find out, uh, you know, I marry into a very Italian uh, family. And uh, <laughs> Actually, this is something I can share with you guys. I'll be married in three years in uh, May, for three years in May, mm-hmm. and I am going to become an Italian citizen because of that. That's cool. Isn't wow. that cool? That's baller. That's all ball. Wow. I don't know if that was on the table, but that is definitely <laughs> all ball. Absolutely. It's like a James Bond thing. Like, no big deal. I, mean, I can go to Italy whenever I want. I'm kind of a citizen. Yeah, do that. <laughs> right. All ball, baby. I'm taking a trip to Italy the end of June. Yeah. So we took a detour there to let you know about my Italian citizenship. But uh, Brian, you need to weigh in on the Braves players complaining about the field conditions, all ball or flagrant foul? I got to say flagrant foul because uh, remember the Boston Garden? Famously, there were like dead spots on the court. Yeah. And the, the accusation was that, of course, the Celtics played on that court. And so they knew where all the goofball spots were. Right. And they could play around it and use it right. to their advantage. Right. All right. If you're playing on some ramshackle field, use it to your advantage. You know, you know where all the weird bumps are. You know, play, play to that. I mean, the other team has to do it, too. Who's going to get hurt first, them or you? Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to agree. Like, maybe we should be seeing some more uh, sacrifice bunts and just, you know, some tricky plays. You think a crafty coach on any NFL team would love it if he knew there was like a sprinkler head just sticking up randomly somewhere in the field? Like, tackle that guy in the sprinkler head. Again, we go back to Bill Belichick. Can you imagine him exposing the advantages that the tricky infield offers them? No, he'd hold a press conference and talk about how fantastic the field was. <laughs> <laughs> we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> All right, let's just go into the Deflate Gate topic then. Since we're, oh, right. we're, we're oh, talking God. about Bill Belichick, <laughs> it's on everybody's minds. You know, somebody asked me today, Ooh, "What do you think about the Deflate Gate?" I said, "I think the same thing I thought about a year and a half ago." Brian, you fill me in on the details here. I think what what court upheld the the decision to suspend well, Brady for four remember, games? I can't remember the exact court. A second appeals court or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel like you've lived your life well if you don't know the intricacies of the court system. Thank you. Like, I feel like my utter <laughs> ignorance of it just indicates that I've I've done well. 
But I will, what's interesting, well, the thing that people get lost on is they, they keep saying, well, Brady's suspension has been upheld or, you know, like, as though the court, the court didn't rule on Tom Brady. Really what got ruled on was, does Bill Belichick have this incredible power? And the answer is, yeah, he does. The Players Union agreed to that a long time ago. You know, the NFL Players Union is pretty shoddy in comparison to some of the other unions. I mean, they when you look at the power football has and the power these guys sort of should be able to wield as celebrities, they have not really matched it in their bargaining agreements over the years. You know, while well, baseball players get paid a zillion dollars and, you know, a mediocre baseball player gets paid what a pretty good quarterback gets played a lot of times. And uh, this is just another thing they screwed up on when they gave the commissioner that much power. And I think the courts sort of had to rule the only way they could, which is, yeah, it's dumb, but it's, it's you guys' brand of dumb. You voted on it. Let me simplify the all ball or flagrant foul question here. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that Tom Brady deserves a four-game suspension, all ball or flagrant foul? Uh, it was a flagrant foul from the get-go. I mean, the number one draft pick and a four-game suspension for something that is probably the equivalent of like using a little too much stickum or something like that. I mean, it's not that big of a penalty. I don't think what infraction what Brady did. I think Goodell was mad because Tom Brady didn't throw himself upon the mercy of the court and start kissing his feet. And Jeff, good for Tom Brady. All ball or flagrant foul? I'm going all ball, except for the name Deflategate, which is definitely a flagrant foul. Because, um, <laughs> like, seriously, people need to know their history. Watergate? Not about water, okay? <laughs> right, yeah, the yeah. gate is not a modifier. Just got to get that out there. But yeah, anyway, I think, I, I mean, everybody can agree that Tom Brady leads a pretty great life. So, you know, I, I look at a, it was a four-game suspension, right? Right. Okay, so, I mean, you kind of look at that as a tax he has to pay for just being awesome at everything. It's kind of his way of giving back to less fortunate folks. So he's going to sit out the four games. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> he's he's going to sit out his four games, and, he, and then he'll, be, he'll, he'll go back to being awesome when he comes back. And that whole experience, is it's going to be this big inspiration to anyone who faces tough times in the future. You know, like you lose a job or a loved one, and you just think back to that time that Tom Brady got suspended for four games, and you think, <laughs> if he can survive that, I can survive. <laughs> so I think he's doing it for the greater good. I think, I think this is a good thing. I like Hang it. Hang out, relax, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> it it's going to do two things. It's going to make the season a little more interesting in a way because those first four games without Brady go from being interesting to fascinating because now, oh, I got to see what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do on Sat- on the Sunday night gaming against the Cardinals opening weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's already going to be great. But the other thing it's going to do is make me root for the Patriots because uh, I'm just going to be so annoyed at the NFL's sanctimony and Goodell's sort of obsession with his own power that I, I really hope they win the Super Bowl now if the Vikings can't just to shove it up uh, old Goodell's bum there. Mm. What do you think <laughs> this does for uh, his fantasy value? Where's Tom Brady Oof. getting picked? It's assuming that he is indeed suspended for four games. It hurts big time. I mean, because you know what? For most fantasy leagues, the last couple weeks don't even come into it, you know, or it's the playoffs. So you're talking about a third of your regular season potentially. I mean, if he's not suspended, he probably goes in the first five quarterbacks, right? I would think. You know, I'm not a big fantasy guy, actually. I never, I've never played fantasy football. You got to be kidding me! No, actually, I've been working on an, an essay about it. Look, for a future crooked scoreboard day to explain why you don't play. Yeah, I have like a pretty big. Uh, I have a pretty elaborate 
philosophy about why I'm opposed to fantasy football. Huh. Teaser. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's why you got to keep coming back to Crooked Scoreboard because Jeff Young and Brian Miller are just dropping bombs out of nowhere. It's like a surprise album. Just out of nowhere. God forbid one of your spouses ever cheat on you or anything like that. That would be... With some businessman or guitar center uh, assistant manager. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a bit of an offbeat all baller flagrant foul here. Ooh. That's that's kind of based on Beyonce and Jay Z's relationship here, since everyone is very, very interested in this whole ordeal that's unfolded here. For anyone that doesn't know, I don't know how you don't know, but Beyonce <laughs> came out with what she's calling a visual album. It sounds very pretentious. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what else you call it, but there's probably better options. Anyway, it's called Lemonade, and people are speculating that it's very autobiographical, and basically Jay-Z cheated on her, and that's what this whole thing is about. The all-baller flagrant foul question that I have for you is, is it okay to make an album about your husband cheating on you, and then making it only available to people that subscribe to your husband's exclusive service title? Is it okay for this family to profit off of their marital problems? All ball or flagrant foul? I know this is a little tricky. No, I'm going to say flagrant foul. I'm with you because I'll tell you what. It feels to me a little bit Kardashian-y. Right. You know, it feels a little bit of that like no matter what happens, we are going to treat it like grist for the content mill and we're going to process it and commercialize it. And that is such a disgusting impulse to me. Which is not to say, by the way, that you can't write a really great album about getting cheated on and get some revenge that way. I love that. I think that's great. But the weird, <laughs> I don't know, like, look, is he that bad or not? Are you going to dump him or not? What's the deal? I'm not trying to say that, like, how dare Beyonce do this? Uh, she can feel however she feels and respond to whatever she wants to, you know, however she wants to respond. But it is the obsession with their lives and the cheap-like behavior from fans that is a bit troubling to me sometimes. So it just, feels phony. It don't does. you think? Like something yeah. about this feels phony. Not that the music is bad or anything, even though I'm not. I don't know. It's not really my style of music, one way or the other. But it just, yeah, it just. It feels phony to me, and I don't like that. I like uh, tomorrow night. I'm going to see a sold-out show at uh, First Avenue. Courtney Barnett. It's like this uh, tiny little Australian girl who just plays the hell out of the electric guitar. And every one of her songs, you're just like, man, she was so pissed off when she wrote that, you know. And I, I love, you know, like I like the honesty of that versus this sort of like calculated publicist-man-driven ethos. It, it does seem very contrived. And I, you know, I, again, I like, I, I would say I don't have a problem with the artistic statement part of it, but like you guys are saying the way, uh, Aaron, you were describing the arrangement on how you purchase this product. It honestly, it sounds to me like there's incentive now for Jay-Z to have other affairs. It's like, Oh, Hey, let's crank out another album. Hey, go off and do something and I'll start writing. It's really kind of twisted. You're welcome for the inspiration, Beyonce. Just let me know who else I have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what it feels like. So. Totally. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right. This is important stuff. Vital. I promised people that. By the way. Yeah, go ahead. If you like, if you like Lemonade, uh, you should hear the album they recorded around the corner. It is something else. <laughs> 
That's my favorite stupid joke. I make myself coffee out of my own nose with that joke I wrote it, and everyone hates it but me. <laughs> I had to watch the, the thing. I watched it last night. I had to because my wife wouldn't talk about anything else except for that. I saw you post about that on Twitter. I thought yeah. that was very funny. And I was like, all right, well, I guess, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you get in a relationship and you're like, these are the movies that you need to watch if you want to get to know me, you know? And I was like, oh, well, uh, this is obviously very important to her. I, I guess I better sure. watch this. And we discussed it. And um, she's kind of she's kind of a Beyonce stan, to be honest with you. Just everything she does is groundbreaking and amazing. And again, for the beehive, I'm not hating. I'm not hating. I'm just saying that some <laughs> of your behavior is troubling. Leave Rachel Ray alone. let's jump into another all ball or flagrant foul and brian i think you're gonna be loving this one so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump to you first the sam bradford situation with the philadelphia eagles they made a big trade to get up to the number two overall pick in the nfl draft and sam bradford is very very upset about this apparently so him and his agent are demanding a trade from Philadelphia after signing a decently sized contract in the offseason when he could have been a free agent. So from Sam Bradford's perspective of him now demanding a trade, what say you? All ball or flagrant foul? Flagrant foul. By the way, if anybody wants to uh, take a look at my brilliant intersection of Sam Bradford and Beyonce, which I came up with after about a half a pint of whiskey last night. <laughs> uh, I think Dustin probably fixed a lot of typos in that one, but uh, check it out on Cricket's scoreboard. Uh, it's up right now. It's ridiculous. I mean, I get that Bradford's pouty because they're going to draft his replacement, but if you look at the, the amount of games that Sam Bradford has actually played in the NFL and the amount of wins that he actually has – I believe the the stats equate to the, he's been paid about $3 million per win in his entire wow. NFL career. I mean, it is astonishing. He has not really proven in any way that he's either good or healthy. Uh, he's never been both at the same time, really, for any length, any length of time. If he's really good in Philly, he'll, stay, he'll stick around. He's going to be the starter. I think it is crazy to act like he's some sort of savior when he is such a wildly unproven commodity. Jeff, all ball and flagrant foul. Yeah, if I understand correctly, I, I'm going to go flagrant foul. <clears throat> I mean, if it's player versus team thing, I usually go with the player, but that's only if they're not being compensated fairly. But it sounds to me, I mean, the way I understand it, he's under contract, right? But he just doesn't he just doesn't like the direction his job is headed. Is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's concerned yeah. that the Philadelphia Eagles aren't committed to him beyond two years. He wants to go somewhere where he is the man. Quote right. Yeah, yeah. So, have one good year, they'll be committed to him. You know, just have one great year. There's not even anything to say that Carson Wentz or Chase Daniel or anybody else is going to be worth a damn. You know, prove okay, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Sam Bradford. <laughs> but, but I mean, worst worst case, he's still under contract either way. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, from my perspective as a guy who doesn't work in football, who's just does regular old jobs, if I've got a contract and I'm getting paid to do a job. I kind of do that job. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't have the luxury of saying, Hey, trade me. Um, that's, <laughs> I, that's never an option. I mean, well, maybe it was, I don't know. I never tried. But, <laughs> you know, well, I would work with the other things. HR block across town. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to rethink a lot of things here. <laughs> well, Contracts in the NFL aren't really contracts. They're, they they should really change them to be suggestions because, you know, if, 
from the uh, team's perspective, you see these like, oh, so-and-so signed a five-year, you know, Josh Norman signed a, a five-year, I forget what the number was on it. It was, uh, I th- I think it was it's five years, 75 million, was mm, it? I think it was 50-something, like 35 guaranteed, something like that. Yeah, but the reality of it was, is like if you really look into the fine print of that thing, it was like closer to a two-year Thirty-five million-ish contract. I mean, so these contracts, and then and you know they'll have a sign a guy to a five-year contract, and then just cut him. The team will just cut him the next year, and that'll be that. The end. I mean, so these contracts are 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 so such vague guidelines uh, that it is a little different. But so if you're a guy who's really good, you you can play hardball the same way the team will play that with you. But gosh, Sam Bradford, wow, just doesn't have any track record. What does it say about him that he's worried about a, a rookie outperforming him? I mean, if you really, exactly. if you really are the man, then you go, okay, bring in whoever you want. I'm gonna outperform him. Like this doesn't bother me. I'll even mentor him. I mean, what? Never before in the history of modern NFL has anyone benefited from being injured the way that Sam Bradford has because he hasn't had an opportunity to show exactly how awful he is yet. And he has this potential. He's like communism. It's like, yeah, but on paper, he's supposed to work out. If we could just get him in the right <laughs> scenario, maybe he'll work out. Exactly. And it's like, no, he's not going to work. <laughs> he's the 25th best quarterback in the league, probably, which is not the, hey, that is a really impressive accomplishment. But don't act, you know, Tom Brady doesn't freak out every time Brian Hoyer or Jimmy Garoppolo starts seeming like they might be a good prospect. Or Ryan Mallett, he's just like, oh, that's fine. I'm Tom Brady. They can get good. I'm Tom Brady. (laughs) Well, I like that point a lot. Like, I mean, if you're the best at what you do, shouldn't you welcome the competition? Yeah, exactly. It's it's very, very strange to me, and it makes me think he's just as soft as I've always thought he is. Yeah, I agree. I'm 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 not a big. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice fellow, whatever. But I've never been a big Sam Bradford fan. It's hard to root for anybody who's played for the Rams for any length of time. No, terrible person. I actually heard that he moonlights as a guitar lesson giver. <laughs> <laughs> and well, he's, he's got in- a lot of free time to work on his, uh, on his uh, fretwork. Enough about my wife's infidelity. <laughs> Let's jump into. Well, doubt is just boiling in the back of your brain. <laughs> this is my this is my lemonade. This is my manifesto. I was gonna say, when's the album coming out? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna see if Hanson's on board. Maybe they can, do, you know, be my backup band. All right, our final all ball or flagrant foul comes from the NBA, and it comes from the lips of Mark Cuban. One of my favorite personalities in the NBA is Mark Cuban. But he went out on a limb and proclaimed that Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder is not a superstar leading up to Game 5. Russell Westbrook promptly scores 36 points and eliminates Mark Cuban's Dallas Mavericks from the playoffs. So just from the perspective of Mark Cuban speaking out and challenging the opponent of his team. Was it a wise decision? Is it all ball or flagrant foul? Let's start with Jeff. From Mark Cuban's perspective, I'm going to have to say that's a flagrant foul. You know, he's obviously free and and not shy about saying anything he wants to. But, uh, yeah, providing that uh, kind of incentive before the big game, probably – I won't say it was the dumbest thing Cuban's ever done. Um, (laughs) I mean, he was in Sharknado 3. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't strike me as a real uh, a real good move. That, that would definitely be a flagrant foul. And Brian? Yeah, flagrant foul. I mean, I, I, Cuban's sort of a, I find him sort of obnoxious. He's like a, Rex Ryan had more money. 
to me a little bit, you know, just kind of in, in the blowhard scale. But I was like with Cuban, it's kind of, he gives a fans kind of a surrogate perspective because he, he sort of feels like some Disney movie where a fan like inherits, not that he inherited it, but he inherits a ton of money and just some regular goofball gets to buy an NBA team and then just sort of yell at people on a grand scale. That's what most of us would probably do. Yeah, I think that's what's so lovable about him. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's like, you think of like Robert Kraft, it was a little Patriot centric thing, but you think of like Robert Kraft and he's like sitting up there in his little suit and he's like looking down. You can't imagine hanging out with him as an owner. But with Cuban, you're just like, oh, I can run into that guy in line buying hot dogs and he would get on my nerves. <laughs> I kind of appreciate the attempt at psychological warfare from the owner, but. I think he picked the wrong target. If there's like one player in the NBA that's not going to shy away from proving somebody wrong, it's Russell Westbrook. I would take five Russell Westbrooks over anybody. He, he's a beast. Plus, by the way, Cuban shoots his mouth off, and then it's his players who have to go cash the check. It's not like Cuban's out there turtling around. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki commented after the game, and somebody asked him about the comments, and he said, yeah, well, I'll take them on my team. <laughs> 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 so... Flagrant foul, Mark Cuban. Shame on you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Off Balance 3. If you have any topic suggestions for future episodes or you want to comment on any of the previous episodes, hit us up on Twitter. The show's Twitter is at OB3, place to be. I'm at Aaron Hodges. And of course, Brian is at Real Brian Miller. And Jeff is at underscore Jeff Young. Also, if you're a fan of me, hi, mom. You can check out another sports podcast that i do called quick snaps we're gonna have a new episode this week if you have sirius xm i have a weekly show on the raw dog comedy channel that's channel 99 fridays at 4 p.m eastern time it's called the raw report all kinds of very funny comedians on there stopping by and i'm co-hosting and producing that show as well you can listen on demand and that's all i got for right now follow me on twitter at aaron hodges goodbye everybody we'll talk to you next week